Buckle that belt. The neighbor is already threatening to call the cops. He's pissed. If you get anxious, man, you just pop these little guys. People out here looking like Paul Feinbaum trying to tell us what to do with our hair. In my overserved state, I went to the wrong house. No, it was the right house. Okay. Dive bar means the beer is cold, the drinks aren't too expensive, and the hamburgers are great. They are a unified front in doing their very best to keep me between the proverbial navigational beacons. Howdy y'all, welcome to the Marty Smith podcast here at Outsider. I'm Marty Smith, your host. He's Wesley Blankenship, your co-host. Travis the Buckeye is on as well. Just, I don't know what he does, but he does whatever he does really well. He's really excited about some recruiting news right now. He is. He's all into recruiting, and um, you know, actually, I just heard this morning um, that Ohio State is their odds to win the Big Ten in 2022 are one to two odds. You think that's good or not? Yeah, that I sounds good. Next best odds, I think, are uh, Wisconsin at ten to one. So I, I think the Buckeyes are definitely, definitely the prohibitive favorite to avenge their loss to the Michigan Wolverines and make their way through the Big Ten. Uh, they're definitely going to be loaded. Holy smokes! Uh, C.J. Stroud's back. He'll be probably the preseason Heisman favorite, if not Will Anderson down at Alabama, and. Uh, him being a quarterback, he'll probably be that leader. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to light the world on fire. That running back, number 32. What's his name, Travis? Travion Henderson. Yeah, him. He's going to tear it up. <clears throat> so uh, they're going to be loaded and they're going to be angry. So it'll be fun to watch. I mean, I don't even know how in the hell I decided to start the podcast that way. But nonetheless, welcome, everybody. We have an amazing show today. Uh, how you Absolute doing, bro? Legend. You, you sound like you uh, have been to Miami or something. I'm just on fumes. I, I'm, I don't, I don't bitch and complain. I don't cry and moan. But I'm on fumes a little bit. Um, <clears throat> went out to L.A. early last week, as as we discussed last week, to interview Bob Baffert uh, ahead of the Kentucky Derby. Wound up having one of the biggest upsets in the history of of that race at 80 to one, uh, winning the race. <laughs> Rich Strike. Uh, absolutely jaw-dropping moment. Like and we all said last week. Every, yeah, every, everybody definitely picked the 80-to-1 uh, odds to, to win it. But a phenomenal job. It's crazy to me, like, how – crazy to me that that happened, how that happened. And I love that sport so much. I had crazy FOMO not being at the Kentucky Derby this year because I was down in Miami, Florida at the Formula One extravaganza down there. It was a spectacle, fellas. Unlike I've seen before uh, covering a sporting event, that was so much more than a sporting event. That was a festival. That was a global party. Uh, I mean, the celebrities that were there were a who's who. I know you guys probably saw that one photograph of Lewis Hamilton, Tom Brady, David Beckham, and Michael Jordan. I think I've gone back now. Uh, ESPN's Instagram posted that photo that I think Tom was actually taken on Tom Brady's phone, I think, or one of Tom's assistants. I think he's the one that first posted it. And 
then ESPN reposted it. And I started looking at that photo on Sunday night after the race, and I thought, man, there's like 30, 30 rings in that picture. But it's way more than 30. It's closer to 40 rings in that picture. Lewis Hamilton has seven. MJ has six. And if you include his University of North Carolina National Championship and his two gold medals uh, with the Dream Team, uh, David Beckham has, I don't even know how many, Premier League and all the different soccer leagues he's won. And then Brady's Brady with the seven Super Bowls. I mean, it's that's crazy, man. If Tiger Woods would have been there, I think that it would have been a vortex that just sucked us all up into the sky and it would have been all she wrote. It was crazy. I, I like the Photoshop that McGee made, or somebody made it, of you two in there. McGee did. You knuckleheads in there with your – Miami Vice Blazers. We just decided that we were going to, per usual, uh, he and I just decided we're just going to lean into the stupidity. And he wound up getting this knockoff. It's 80stees.com, I think. And he got this T-shirt, Crockett and Tubbs T-shirt, where they're leaning on the Testarossa. And um, – they're like like it's like a color by number deal like they are not filled in with any color but the whole rest of the t-shirt is pink and blue and the the main color was yellow and i wound up randomly going on amazon or asking laney to go on amazon and get me a miami vice t-shirt that said don't do anything stupid and we both wound up wearing miami vice t-shirts we both decided we were going to wear you know, uh, a suit jackets over it. And I'll be damned if we didn't end up with the exact same color of suit jacket. Now, quality of those jackets, not quite the same, but no. McGee color like he very dug similar. That out of the bottom of his grandfather's closet. Uh, that thing looked, I mean, it was the, the material. At the very end of Marty McGee, I put my arm around him to tell him I loved him. And it felt like it was parchment from, yeah. I mean, the Dead Sea Scrolls. It, it felt like he just took a tater sack and put some food coloring on it and slapped it across his bed and, and sewed some really horrible bronze buttons on it. Is he okay? Did he make it back, man? Because I was just following along on his Instagram. You looked like a total natural on the, the front of that boat, by the way, uh, and also a complete moron, but uh, a very Correct. talented one. But... McGee looked like he got lost in the sauce a little bit. <laughs> and uh, I hope he's okay. I don't want to speak for him, Wesley. We'll have him on at, at another date. To, I should have had him on right now just to discuss it. But I can just I, – I will speak for him only because he spoke of it on the television program on Saturday morning. He went way too deep on Friday <laughs> night. I mean, he went, he, went, he went way too deep. I think it was – a uh, 2, 2.30 type of night for him. And Nate Saunders, our buddy who covers F1 for ESPN.com, uh, McGee went out with those guys, and they got in it, and they stayed in that loud pedal, and they went deep, deep, deep. And the next thing you know, I mean, McGee and I left for work at like 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something. Uh, both of us were still intoxicated, I think, but – I was in way, way better shape. I mean, he looked like he had to meet sweats or something. He he was in a bad way. I've known that cat a long time. I've not seen him like that before. Um, hey, man. 
Life is a highway, you know. Dude, it's Miami. I mean, you can get lost. I went to a dinner Friday night with my buddy Josh Allen that plays quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, who is just one of the all-time great human beings, uh, just just an amazing person. And this dinner that Josh and I were attending <clears throat> was – I won't break every toe y'all have today, but there were a lot of really, really famous names there. And I was looking around going, I don't know how in the hell I got in this dinner. It was a dinner thrown by Cash App. I don't know if y'all have heard of Cash App. Mm-hmm. But they threw the dinner, and uh, CAA is involved with Cash App. So all of these NFL uh, tennis stars, golfers, who, all these people represented by CAA – were there myself included and so it was uh, I don't I'm surprised they didn't just grab me up by the collar and say get the hell out of here you don't belong but boy did we have a absolute blast and so that's where I was drinking way too expensive wine and way too much of it and McGee was across town at some tiki bar drinking way too cheap a rum and way too much of it he was beat up, Wes. I'm telling you, brother. You, 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 your inclination is not incorrect. It looked like he had a good time, though. Uh, but, hey, look, that, that's, that's showbiz for you, you know? You guys are well, just you – If you're going to be stupid, as long as you can reel it back in. I told Roman Harper. I went uh, – earlier this year, Laney and I went down to Birmingham, Alabama and saw Eric Church play a country music show on a Friday night. And the next day thereby, I would miss Marty and McGee because I had to go to Austin, Texas for pit boss. Roman Harper, I called, I called Roe and asked him to sit in for me, and he goes, yeah, man, like, oh my, what, what's the preparation involved? What, you know, what, what do I need to do? I said, nothing. You don't have to, don't do anything. Just show up at the studio, and really the only criteria is that you're hungover or still hammered, one or the other. That's the only criteria. Be partly cloudy and ready to get rowdy. That's it. Breath-wise, you on the way in. It was a hell of a week. Um, I give everybody uh, involved, Tom Garfinkel and, and Tyler Epp with the Miami Dolphins, their owner, Stephen Ross, everybody that had this vision for the Formula One race in Miami. Uh, yeah. They pulled it off. It was, uh, it, was cr- it was crazy, guys. Every time – if you turned around – you're walking through the paddock and you, you forgot your wallet and you turn around to go get it, you run face first into J.J. and T.J. Watt. Then you go, hey, man, what's going on? You take five more steps. There's Mario Andretti. Five more steps. Here comes one of the F1 superstars, or Jackie Stewart, one of the most famous of all time. Patrick and, Mahomes. And, yeah, right, right. Right over there is Patrick Mahomes. Or maybe it's Paolo Bancaro. We're not sure which oh, yeah. one that is. But, um, you know, it, it really was on a scene. Uh, Serena and Venus Williams. Uh, CMC was there. It was just like, oh, I, I don't even, I can't. LeBron was there, on and on. I mean, it was insanity how many famous people went to this thing. And the show was insane. Uh, those, you know, Wes was talking earlier about those boats, those yachts that they brought in. They bring in these yachts. It was 10 of them, and they parked them on trailers, and they built this platform around them. And then they put this vinyl covering down that looked like water. Really, really cool experience, and a lot of people uh, kind of mocked them for that. Who I was thought mocking it, was, it? Like, like the uh, F1? Apparently, like hardcore, old-school F1 
you know, that we should be a Silverstone and we should be a Monaco uh, where the real yachts are, uh, they, they didn't appreciate the fact that it was made that way. But for me, I thought it was really, really dope. And I did a live shot there, uh, as Wes was discussing, and I'm sure a lot of you guys didn't see it. It was, I don't even know, in the middle of the day on Saturday. So, so a lot of people may not have been home. But I got on the front of that one of those yachts, and I had to take my shoes off. And so I take my shoes off and get on this yacht. Well, the one day that I don't put on SPF 500, I mean, I lather up in that stuff. I take a bath in sunscreen every day because I'm the palest human the good lord ever created i'm translucent without a shirt on and so dude i forgot to put sunscreen on that day and we couldn't make there's this gadget we have called a tvu and it's this thing that is basically like the power of 10 or 20 cell phones and it allows us to go on tv from anywhere and the tvu because there were so many people in the area it just wasn't working quite right and so they couldn't get my shot up so I stood there and I stood there while my guys were trying to figure it out. And I'm sitting there going, dude, I bet I am baking right now. Oh my. Well, when I got back to the hotel room, I mean, I, I, I still, my shirt and my arm are not that much different of a color. Um, it's a very unique shade of fuchsia. But I, uh, anyway, they finally come to me to do the live shot and I rolled down this menu. And the menu on the yacht was like, you can get a grilled vegetable platter for $350. You can get you can share a shrimp cocktail for the nominal fee of 425. You can get a piece of salmon for 750. You can get a steak for 825. All of this, man. And I just leaned into I had on the captain's hat and I did the uh what's it, what's Leo DiCaprio's character's name? Jack. Um, yeah, Jack. I almost said Jack Sparrow, but that's a different nah, that's he's, a different captain. He's a little uh, he's hemmed up right caught now. up at the moment. Uh, but anyway, just so stupid. Like, we just had an absolute ball. I thought they did a phenomenal job. Kudos to, to all those guys. I've known Garfinkel and Tyler Epp, the guys that ran the deal. I've known them for 15, 20 years. They, they, they were at Chip Ganassi Racing in the early millennium. So I've known those guys for a very long time, and kudos to them. I'm proud of them. I'm thrilled for them. And uh, I just thought it was a, a really crazy deal. As far as the race goes, watching on TV, it was pretty neat to see the aerial view and see, like, tractor trailers driving over the race. And I'm just imagining some guy hauling whatever pallets of beef jerky to Bucky's, just looking down. What? What are them boys doing down there? <laughs> Praying to God he doesn't hit the wall and sprinkle the racetrack with a bunch of Slim Jims. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it was it was crazy. Actually, um, on Thursday at the racetrack, I did a, a hot lap. Uh, Pirelli, the tire provider for Formula One, uh, offers these hot laps to reporters or celebrities or whomever so that they can get a really good idea of track layout, of passing zones, of what the DRS zones looks like, look like, uh, high-breaking areas. And it was an extremely technical racetrack, first of all. But there were, three, there were three legit straightaways where 
in the car I was in, they were telling me I probably got to about 155. I was in an Alfa Romeo. I was a passenger, by the way. I wasn't driving it. Mm. Alfa Romeo supercar. And coming out of turn three, it's a super wide sweeping right-hander. And my driver, my driver is, is going through the corner here, and that dude stands in the gas, and he's heading straight toward the fence. The line, the line off the corner to diamond the corner was directly at the wall. And I'm sitting here going, shit, we ain't going to make this corner. He's going to bounce this some off the wall. Fortunately, he's a professional driver and did not do so, but that was super fun. I, I just, I had an amazing week, and I'm, I'm really grateful how, for the uh, opportunity. How, how fast did he get it? I think around 155 was top-end speed. Um, in the race itself, of course, the Formula One cars are, are much faster. They're the highest performance racing machines on the planet. And they're expected, I have not looked at the actual telemetry of the race or the statistics from the race, the expected average speed was 140, 142, and the top end speed uh, expected was 198 to 200, somewhere around in there. And they, I'm telling you guys, it was an extremely technical course. There was so many, there were so many really abrupt corners, S curves, and it was crazy when I went through that. This one really, really abrupt corner, S curve corner with that guy driving in the in the supercar there was not a very long stretch between the two part, uh, curves in the s and we came through the first corner in the s he hammered the throttle as hard as it would go then instantly jammed the brake as hard as it would go then hammered the throttle again the way he drove the track was wild and if that's how the actual racers did it then i mean they're probably exhausted at the end of that thing yeah, it, looked, it was just it a wild awesome. experience. No Diarrhea doubt. of the mouth over here, but I mean, I could just go on for days about it. And then the great Ohioan philosopher Travis Rockhold sends me a note on the tweeter machine. I think it was from Adam Stern, right? From SBJ. Yeah. Uh, that laid out the television ratings. Uh, the Formula One rating uh, was good in the United States. NASCAR's was higher at Darlington for throwback weekend. And uh, that's great for NASCAR. They needed a lot of drama at the end of that race because the entire sporting world was paying attention to Formula One. And at the end of the race uh, at Darlington, South Carolina, William Byron leading the race. Looks like he has a great opportunity to win his third race of the year. He's one of only two guys who have multiple wins so far in 2022. And Joey Logano hammered him right in the, in the back and, and went around him and, and won the race. And afterwards, there was a lot of talk about that. Was it a dirty move by Joey? There's a lot of layers to this. But first of all, let's just discuss, like, like Joey's racing mantra. Joey's been an aggressive racer for a very, very long time. He's had run-ins with Ryan Newman in his career, with Kevin Harvick, with – uh, certainly Matt Kenseth of all people. And Joey doesn't apologize for his aggression. He feels like he, you know, it's, I, I understand to a degree his modus operandi, like don't tread on me. I won't be bullied because if you let one guy mess with you, everybody's going to mess with you. And they're going to think that you're vulnerable that way. But with that type of, of racing attitude, 
comes a lot less latitude. And guys aren't going to give you any slack. They're not going to cut you any breaks. And I, can, I promise you William Byron is going to retaliate. We, it, it may not be next weekend. It may not even be in 2022. But Willie B will find the right opportunity to make Joey Logano's life difficult. And racers have the longest memory. Racers remember every single person who cut them off. They remember every single person who flipped them off. And they remember every single person who pissed them off. And it's a very long memory. I've had conversations with Rusty Wallace, Tony Stewart, and they're talking about somebody that messed with them 15 years ago. And they still remember the lap, the moment, the context, and the desire for payback. So if you look at, you know, William Byron's whole thing was that Joey could have passed him anyway. And Joey was a hell of a lot faster. So I, I think he's probably right. But then if you look at Joey's context, he feels like earlier in the race, William was coming up off the corner, pushed, got up high, put Joey in the wall. And so Joey felt like at that point, sportsmanship at the end of the race is a hell out the window. He has a point too, in my opinion. If you watch the replay, whether or not it was intentional doesn't matter. Here's because it thing. Whether or not it was intentional or whether or not it was a big enough bump to require retaliation. I mean, what do the best athletes always do? You watch The Last Dance. Michael Jordan looked for any reason to hate you, any reason to get motivated, and that's what that kind of boiled down to for me. Yeah, and, and well said, Wes. Uh, it's just racing's a, a very interesting arena. These guys are racing against each other. It's not like they – you know, have a playoff series and then they're gone. Or they play them four or five times a year and then they're gone. Or in football, you see them once a year and they're gone. These guys are on the racetrack together every single weekend. And, and William was pissed off. And I don't blame him for being pissed off. I was intrigued. Travis, because I was at F1, I had a lot of catching up to do about the NASCAR race. And Travis sent me all these uh, tweeter links of – the actual wreck, the context of the wreck, because I'm huge on context. You can't just show me the accident and, like, that be my response. Because Joey was reacting to something he felt William did to him earlier in the race, and he said it after the race. At that moment, all the sportsmanship later goes out the window. Plus, and look, I'm not – I don't – it don't matter to me. I, I don't know who's right, who's wrong. None of that matters to me. Uh, the context of the race warranted – the way those two felt like it unfolded. And then there's two more, there's two other variables here that are very important. The way that the championship in the Cup Series is now decided, wins are so precious. They are so precious because they're so damn hard to come by. Parity is at an all-time high level in the Cup Series right now. And as a result, when you have the opportunity, you got to take it. And so, Joey, that, that was also part of the variable. And then, to me, the third aspect of it is it's Darlington, South Carolina. It's one of the crown jewel places for hardcore racers. If you win at that place, it is such a feather. And, I mean, these, a lot of these dudes wrecked their mama to win there. And so, they're, they're, it's just a real, real substantial concentration of a lot of, of variables that led up to the way that unfolded 
But I, I feel like the contact between the two earlier in the race was really the catalyst for the way it, the way it went down. Which uh, throwback paint scheme did you like the best? There were a lot of them that I really appreciated. I mean, I, I love that throwback weekend. I think it's one of the super cool new traditions of NASCAR. That was Chip Wild, my buddy who's now a super big fancy pants executive at NASCAR. Chip was once the president at Darlington. And that was his baby. Like, he came up with that idea, and boy, did the industry lean into it big time. And they continue to lean into it. I think it's so great. I loved Corey LaJoy's throwback paint scheme. It was the number seven car, which he made the 777. Uh, really, it was a, a great throwback in homage to Marty Robbins, the great country music icon back in the day. Marty used to run some cup races, and he ran a paint scheme, that purple and yellow, purple and gold paint scheme, just like Corey ran. I loved that. I thought Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain throwing it back to Dale Sr. and Dale Jr. was super cool. I love Chase Elliott's. Like, if you look at the list and why the guys ran the ones they ran, it, the, the ideas are great, and I just love it. I think it's a neat, neat concept. Yeah, there's a lot of meaning to it. I mean, look, every other sport does the throwback thing. Why not NASCAR? Yeah, I mean, it, after I wrote Sunday Money last week, um, I saw a guy responded to the, the, the post on my Instagram story about it, and he's like, man, um, throwback weekends played out. Well, I, I mean, I disagree personally. Like, if that's his opinion, that's fine. I don't, I, don't, I don't mind if you feel like it's played out. I think it's super cool. I love it because, like, other than baseball, and, and you guys can rebut me on this, if you feel like the NFL, I don't know about the NHL, golf, whatever. I, I think that other than baseball. Golf would be interesting because you'd have to wear, like, some actual, uh, like, Bobby Jones high socks and – uh, like burlap uh, tweed vest. I don't think that's going to fly. In, ter in terms of like the appreciation for the history of the sport, like every day, real time, the appreciation for the history of the sport and the, the concerted effort to champion the history of the sport, I feel like NASCAR really wears that on their, on their sleeve. And baseball do does too. They do it once a year. It's not like it's they're doing it at like ten races a year. It's it's at Darlington. Like I think one time every year is a, a cool way to do it. I mean, hell, we see college football teams with all sorts of different uniforms. And if yep. you want to get you know some younger audiences, this is a way to blend the old you know fans with the new fans. So I, I like it. Who I mean, honestly though, who cares? Like we are just conditioned. I feel like to complain about stuff and yeah, not not we don't need a hot take about everything. It's paint. Yeah, and, and, and it's cool, uh, regardless of what somebody else may think about it or whatever their opinion may be. I think it's as cool, I think it's cool as all hell. I love it. And, and speaking of history, um, I, the, back to the Kentucky Derby and, and whatnot, I, I love how they celebrate it too, and I love the traditions there. As I said earlier in the show, I had crazy FOMO. It, it was a beautiful scene. I watched it. NBC does such a great job. I'm the hugest Mike Tirico fan on earth. I think that, that Mike, like Mike's versatility blows my mind. There's certain broadcasters like Mike, like Scotty Van Pelt, uh, who just have this, like Laura Rutledge is one of them. 
have this versatility across all these different sports and platforms, and they make it look so simple. And it is not. It is anything but simple. Uh, and they, they sure do make it look that way. But NBC did an awesome job. And I just love – my favorite part anymore, speaking of new traditions that are cool, I love Rutledge Wood and Dale Jr. I love that Sam Flood and NBC have given those two clowns this platform to be the interviewers of the celebrities at the Kentucky Derby. And it's so cool because Dale Jr.'s fame and Rutt's – like, Rutt is a, like just so good at reading the moment and having just such great energy and attitude that it completely disarms the celebrities. They do a great job. And God knows there's plenty of celebrities there to interview. It's just a, what an awesome sports weekend. It just yeah. really was a great sports weekend. Hey, uh, speaking of broadcasters, I don't know if you saw this because I think you probably just woke up from a hibernation after Miami. Oh, Tom no. Brady's going to be doing an NFL broadcast on Fox, man. I saw that on the Outsider IG account. That is uh, nuts. Uh, it It is nuts. And, you know, there was all the – there was a lot of talk when, when Troy Aikman and Joe Buck came over to our place at ESPN to do Monday Night Football. What would Eric Shanks and Brad Zager do in order to – you know, look, look, Troy and, and Joe are the, – the, there's no words. There's not enough superlatives uh, to, to describe how great they are. Another guy that makes it look so simple, of course, <laughs> is Jim Nance. Uh, Jim Nance is the standard by which they're all measured in, in my mind, but – then you have, okay, here now Fox comes and, and signs Tom Brady. Holy smokes, man. I, I can't wait to see what that is. I can't wait to see how he uses that expertise and, and star power and celebrity. I mean, he, I, Tom Brady's He's coming famous. He's for Romo, man. He's coming Dude, for but, Romo. But, but he's famous in a way that – like Travis, y- y'all weigh in on this, and I'm thinking of this real time. He's famous in a way that I don't know if any other NFL athlete has ever been. So you're right, and he, I think this is what Brady's actually going to do. I, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I can see through him. He's going to retire, do that for one year, gain all his intel, and then come back and use it against <laughs> everybody in play. That's what he's going to do. Let me tell you something, Travis. If there is one thing that Tom Brady doesn't need, it's any more help with the cognitive part of playing the game of football. He's got that part figured out, Hoss. But, wow, uh, obviously the, the name of the game in, in television broadcast talent is the, the interest in under, like, like disseminating the information to the viewing audience and having the star power to do that. Uh, who, did they, who did they couple Brady with? He'll be with Kevin Burkhart. I like yep. Kevin. Kevin's great. Ten years, three hundred and seventy-five million. So he can buy all the avocado, tequila, and ice cream that he wants. What? That's what they paid him for TV. That's what it says. What? Yeah, the, they're paying him forty million dollars a year this to is do football per Andrew Marchand. Yeah. Can't hide paper. I don't see any typos, man. I see it multiple places. Wow. Yep. I should have been an NFL quarterback. 
Wow. I should have married a model. <laughs> yeah, still not the breadwinner. Uh, I, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, <laughs> hey, congratulations, Tom. Uh, hey, man, give the man his props. He earned whatever he gets. He's the GOAT. Speaking of goats, uh, it's not every day that you have the opportunity to spend time with one, and we have that amazing opportunity right now. Uh, in the drag racing world, there is no one ever that's been greater than John Force. It is not every day that you have the opportunity, speaking of goats, to welcome one on the program. But we do have that today. The great John Force, the greatest uh, drag racer of all time, and somebody I've admired forever. Interviewed a bunch of times for ESPN, even if he might not remember it. Um, brother, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations, still winning races. Uh, how in the hell, like, what in the world possesses you to keep doing this? I'm guessing it's the feeling that you just had by hoisting that trophy up. Well, first, before I even get into that, thank you for having me on the show with you fellas. Uh, if I close my eyes, I would swear I was listening to Dale Earnhardt Sr. That, that, that lingo you talk, uh, pretty cool. I like it. Um, uh, do it because I love it. Uh, loved NHRA drag racing. Uh, I followed it since I was in high school. Uh, right out of high school, within a few years, I went to Australia and raced in a funny car. And I've um, just been doing it ever since. You got the cheer of the crowd. You got the camaraderie of a team and fans that, that love you and sponsors that pay you to do a job you love. So why wouldn't I do it and throw in some wins and uh, life is good. Is there any way to put into words what it's like to be inside of a vehicle moving at 300 miles an hour? What, do you even think about it anymore? Uh, been doing it so long. Uh, it's just kind of a way of life. Uh, you know, you've got to react to a Christmas tree. You can't really get up there thinking about what you're going to do. It's all kind of just what you've learned over, you know, me the last 40 years. And drivers that are new at it, uh, some of them struggle. Some of them pick it up right away. But you got to go into a zone. Like a Tiger Woods on a golf course. you got to blank out the people. you got to blank out the, the noise. And you got to go for it. And then you got to get it from A to B at over 330 miles an hour. And, and, and when you really got to go to work, that's the fun part. That's easy. Uh, if she wheel stands or she tries to smoke the tires, you got to keep it under control. And then when you're out there in the middle somewhere, you always think something could go wrong. Motor could let go and you could be engulfed in fire. And that's where your real job starts. You know, as, as safe as NHRA require these cars to be and, and, and all the, the pro organization and all the people around it, you gotta go into fight mode. Uh, don't wanna put them shoots out too early, it'll burn them off. Uh, you gotta be able to get the car stopped, protect the guy in the other lane, and you gotta get out of the car safely. And the safety safari's always there to help you get through all of that. But it's hard to explain. But when you're on fire is when you really know the seriousness or you hit a wall at 330. That's when you know impact, what this old hot rod's really like. Hard to explain, but I kind of gave you no, a that's good. I love it. Well, I, so how do you react when you're on fire? What is that moment like? Well, I always joke, I scream a lot, but not really. <laughs> I go right into the minute that thing lights up. 
I, I know I've reached for the parachutes and go, no, don't hit the chutes too early. Uh, depending on the fire, if it's a, a big one, you don't want to burn the chutes off and then have to ride the thing out. And, and I've been very lucky in my career. I've always joked I've been on fire from here to Australia, and I have been. <laughs> but in the middle of it, the cars are safe. The, the Simpson safety equipment that we wear, the helmets, the parachutes, the fire suits, the gloves, the boots, everything. Uh, yeah, I've got a few burns on me, and I've been whacked in the head a few times. I've been down there in Miami going through that, that place where they look at your head. And, but they looked at me way before the crashes, and I was always screwed up, so no, no big change, really. But in the process, been real lucky to walk away. And uh, you got to give credit to the NHRA safety safari and the, and the safety they built into the tracks with guardrails, just like NASCAR and IndyCar, what they do, uh, you know, in the shutoff areas with, with sand traps to stop us, all of that to keep the driver safe so we can come back. And uh, every now and then we'll get a little glitch there. Something will go wrong, somebody will get hurt. But uh, in my career, uh, I've been real lucky, and so my family. So we'll see where it goes. I saw an interview with you recently, and they're, they're asking you about, you know, what, what gets you motivated, what, what gets you going, but it seems like you don't really need much motivation uh, to get going any given day. What, what does keep you fired up to this extent? Have you always had this much energy? Well, back, you know, when I, when I was in school playing football, I still hold the record at Bell Gardens High. I quarterbacked for three years, lost every game, 27 of them. And uh, nobody will ever, I don't think they'll ever break that record. But uh, uh, the chair of the crowd, I loved it. Uh, my, uh, probably my wife says it's my ego. I love the chair of a crowd. And, and you get that in football and school. But when I was driving a truck, I was a teamster, local 208. When I was driving a truck, I'd go into a coffee shop and I'd start the stories and somebody would buy me coffee or lunch. And it was just, just entertaining the, the room. And I did that since I was a kid. My mom used to say, can anybody shut that kid up? But I was just like my mama telling stories and big old whoppers and having fun, you know? And uh, so to go drag racing, that's what I do. I'm a storyteller. I talk about my heroes like Don Perdome and Gartlets and Shirley and, 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 the, and the, it's just a way of life. So why not do it? And that's where my energy comes from. I, I feed, I've said it before, everybody get off that couch and get out to the races. Come watch this race. Because when you're in that cockpit of that car and you're looking out that window and you're getting ready to stage and you're racing that guy or gal over in the other lane, uh, women are in our sport. They're everywhere. They're taking over. But in the, I had to give them a plug. But it, I ought to mention Peak and Blue Def, a couple sponsors in there, and Chevrolet. But Auto Club. But what I'm saying is that the cheer of the crowd, when they're in the stands, even though maybe you can't hear them, you can see them. And, oh, man, that is so uh, – uh, that is a thrill. That's what does it for you. That's what turns me on. And, and – um, uh, it just generates another John Force. So uh, the older I get, there's a, there's, a, there's a bomb inside of me that when a crowd cheers, the young John Force comes alive. So every day, that's what I do. The crowd's still cheering. You mentioned the ladies, John, and Wes and I are both girl dads, and there's nothing cooler as a parent than when your children have passion for your passion, and you can share that together as a bond, and your girls... They chased your passion. 
What's it like as a girl dad to see them fire off at 300 miles an hour? Well, first of all, let me clarify. Um, uh, it wasn't me that couldn't have sons. It was the water in your Linda. I want to make that clear. But uh, uh, I have four daughters. Adra is from my first marriage just out of, out of high school. And uh, uh, I went to college for a day, I think. And uh, wanted to play football and hear the cheer of the crowd. And, and, and uh, I had to go get a job and go to work and raise a family. And uh, of course, got divorced later, a, a few years later. And, and uh, 10 years later from that, I married Lori and we had three girls. But my daughter, Adrian, runs the company, runs all the money. Hell, I ain't smart enough. I can't do all that. And then my other three daughters chose to drive. Ashley's still here that drove funny car. And, and uh, she runs my, our small TV production company. And uh, Courtney married a Ray, uh, Bobby Rahal's son, Graham Rahal, IndyCar driver. And she's working with him now. Does, she does more social media than you'd believe. It's just unbelievable, that world of social media that everybody's in. It's taken over. I'm a dinosaur, so I'm still trying to learn it here. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I got a granddaughter with her. Um, Harlan and another one on the way. Oh, Graham's been staying busy over there. But, uh, and, and, and then uh, uh, Brittany drove a funny car, uh, dragsters and funny cars, but Brittany drives the Monster Energy right now. Of course, Austin Proc drives the uh, uh, Montana brand. Uh, 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 you know, Frank Teague's owns Flavor Pack. Uh, Brittany drives for Monster and Flavor Pack. And, uh, of course, uh, Frank Teague's uh, owns uh, both those uh, owns Montana brand and flavor pack. So in the middle of it, uh, my girls got into racing. So Ashley drove, uh, Courtney drove, and Brittany's still driving. Uh, won a championship a few years back, and of course they all won races. They were all, you know, driver of the year and all that kind of stuff. And I beat Ashley to the championship by a couple of rounds, and boy that put me on the couch for a couple of years. Mom wasn't liking that. But uh, no, they all live it. Now, uh, Robert and Adra, <clears throat> uh, my granddaughter, Autumn, um, Robert's president of the company, he drives the Auto Club Chevy and, and, and uh, uh, AAA of Texas. <clears throat> but uh, Robert's daughter now, uh, Autumn has driven Super Comp and, uh, or Junior Dragsters, and she's moved up to Super Comp. She just turned she just turned. Well, she's been 17. She'll turn 18. But then Jacob and Noah, Ashley's two boys, and Ashley's husband is Daniel Hood. I'm giving you a whole family tree. He loves my car. So in the middle of it, Jacob and Noah are playing hockey and soccer and, you know, baseball and all this stuff, but they drive junior dragsters. They love it. So, you know, maybe there will be a, a third generation of us. We'll see. So you go from not winning a game in high school – driving trucks tough to get your first win at nhra but you didn't quit it what kept you pursuing something that was obviously giving you such a, a tough a tough run early on I, I just uh i've just never been a guy that gives up i live it and i'm living it now still running this company robert height actually runs it and drives the auto club chevy but um uh he runs the day-to-day and, uh, you know, 
he's young, he's got all that energy, and we were just upstairs in the boardroom, and when I go, don't forget who's running this company, they all look at me and laugh, <laughs> you know, because they know Robert does, but I'm in it day to day, and I love it, and it just, I get to drive my hot rods, and I got a car museum here in Yorba Linda, our big shops are in Indy with a, a car museum there, but I got cars that I bought that I've never driven, uh, you know, never put up more than five miles bringing it from the dealership. You know, most of the time they truck them in. I don't, I don't know how to fish. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how to golf. So racing is my hobby. Everyone said, if you quit tomorrow, what would you do? Mm, I'd get a race car and go racing. That's what I'd do because that's what I love to do. So I've been very fortunate in, in my career, winning a lot of races. And, you know, uh, you guys called me something earlier. But if I'm going to give that credit, of being labeled as something, let's be honest, I'm going to give it to Austin Coyle, him and Bernie Fetterly and John Medlin that ran my cars and we won all those championships. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, you know, uh, Medlin's still out there with, with Ron Caps and, 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 and uh, uh, Dean Antonelli, he worked for me too. Uh, but they're out there with Caps racing. He started his own team this year. And 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 uh, but but those are guys I got to give credit to and to my team today for winning and all the stuff that we do. Daniel Hood and, and Tim Fabrizi and the kids that do the day to day and they don't want to give us all the attention that we're the drivers. But you know we just sit in the seat and go down that racetrack and have fun and do the best we can and you win sometimes and 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 sometimes you lose. But uh, if the credit's got to go. Uh, and I had to label somebody, it'd be Austin Coyle as the guy that started with me, oh, 40 years ago, and uh, now retired, lives right down the street. He was smart, uh, ran my car, and then retired first. God bless him. <laughs> it is a team sport, and that's cool of you to give everybody credit. There, there's an, you, you just have this infectious personality, though, along with the amazing resume as a driver you're this unbelievable force that demands people pay attention to nhra drag racing and so it's an all-encompassing thing and you've been masterful at it for decades and decades and decades you just said it john that you don't have any thought about if you did leave you just get another race car and race some more what if any consideration have you ever given to getting out of it every single day, racing every race? You know, I don't think that way. Um, uh, I just don't, I, I love it. It's my life. It's my family's life. And maybe the grandkids, you know, if, if, uh, if you want to make some real money, I tell them, go play golf. There's some real money there. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, uh, love the company, love the history. My kids grew up in it. And, and, um, and I just don't want to give it up. I want to be part of it. And I want to keep it going. You know, uh, I had 120 employees. Now I think I got 80. But, but in the middle, middle of it, um, uh, you know, uh, it's what I do. I make a good paycheck. I don't need money. I can retire. But I don't want to retire. I like working for Cornwell Tools. I like selling tools. I got uh, just sponsors that, that just go on and on that take care of us. And, and uh, uh Baldwin Filters, companies that have joined us. Uh, NKC joined us this year, uh, came in through our marketing group that we put together with uh, Ted. Uh, uh, Ted's the boss over there, runs it with his group, and, and uh, Hood and those guys. Um, it's, it's, it's just a way of life. 
and I got to keep finding money. That's part of the game. Yeah, why I'm I'm down here with a list of five shows in a row to do here. Sarah keeps me running, but uh, that's what they do. Uh, so we can find new sponsors and stay in the game. And, and, and we spread the word through you. I got excited. You know, it's like I get overloaded. I was in meetings upstairs. But come down here and get on the screen with you all and get talking. We lost the he's, other gentleman. Where'd there. he go? He disappeared. <laughs> was I that bad? He left already. There he is. <laughs> hey, hey, John. John, he's an Ohio State Buckeye, just like your son-in-law. And uh, so he, he decided to disappear for a little while. He decided he had to get out of here for just a few minutes. That great. Oh, Ray Hall, he loves that. He's from Ohio, and th that football season, and I, boy, he'll turn every channel I got on <laughs> to watch to watch those games. And uh, but but you know he loves it, and uh, and my daughter uh, uh, Courtney, she loves it, and and uh, got grandkids coming. Life's great. I just got to keep doing my job. So uh, you know I'm excited. Uh, signed another guy, a guy I raised 35 years ago named John Powers, owns a big steel company with his family in Arizona, uh, Powers Steel, but he started Powers Solar Company, doing solar. So I'm pitching solar every week, Robert and I and Brittany and Austin Proc, he's new, his dad, Jimmy. I knew Jimmy, Jimmy runs Robert's car, and they're really the fastest out here. They've already won two races, and, 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 but, but in the... I knew Proc when he was a little kid because I raced against his dad. And, and we all raced against Powers. He drove the Power Steel funny car, uh, John did. And so, uh, you know, Jimmy was a little kid sitting on the floor of his dad's house, and now he's running a car, and then his kid used to sit on my tailgate, and, 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 and now his kid's driving a funny car for me, uh, Austin Proc. So, man, I'm lucky. Uh, just uh, surrounding myself, and the world just keeps reinventing itself. They always thank us. I run into the airport, and I'll have some military guy go, "Oh, John Forrest, you're my hero," and I go, "Stop right there. The real hero are you guys, uh, the men and women that defend our country in the armed, uh, you know, services and all that, and 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 the, and the police department and fire department that do things to protect us, and 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 uh, the first responders." Oh man, you you got you got to say, look what they've done to get us through the pandemic. They're the real heroes, and that is a fact. We just gotta. This is the greatest country in the world. We gotta fix it, and uh, and uh, I believe uh, America, because of the people, uh, will fix it. John, uh, you've been doing this for a while, man. What's the one constant? What has stayed the same? throughout your career of driving and racing and competing that keeps you coming back? Uh, the new blood coming up. You know, uh, Robert Hyde's been driving for probably 10 years now, but I like to race the young kids. Hagen, uh, Ron Caps, and there's kids out there now I don't even know their names. I run into a restaurant, there was a, a top fuel dragster there that was in the final at the four wide, and, and, and I, 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 it, I, I still ain't figured out who it was, but I knew they had raced there because I saw them on TV. And I just get so excited to see a young kid coming up, you know, that says, you know, and, and hey, I raced your daughter and I'm in top fuel. And I, I just love that to where our sport's going to go. We got a lot of work in HRA. Cromwell works uh, night and day keeping this ship alive, him and Peter Clifford. And, and, uh, uh, we got to keep it. Drag racing, anybody can be a drag racer. 
All you got to do is put on a helmet and buckle a seatbelt, and you're a drag racer. Can't do that in NASCAR and IndyCar and F1. You know what I'm saying? So um, uh, our sport will go on and on. I go down to, to Verona to a little junior dragster race, and there's 100 entries down there. And there's motor coaches. Them guys got more money than me. All those families, that's what they do. And our sport will go on because it's a great product. And NHRA, uh, with Fox TV, they put on a, 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 great, uh, a great show that you can watch every, you know, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays on Fox. And, and, um, and, and I love being part of it. Back to that ego that my wife said I had. Well, we appreciate your time, brother. Uh, as you said, you got 17 programs you're going to be on here in just a little bit. So thank you so much for taking time for us today. We appreciate you. You are the GOAT, and we're grateful to have you on. Have a great day. But the thanks go to you guys. God bless you. You're the one that put me out there. If it wasn't for the media, TV, and all this, the newspapers, nobody would know who John Force was, and nobody would care. So God bless you. Thanks, John. Have a great day. Really appreciate Mr. Force taking the time. Um, he has been an icon in that sport for decades. And I, Wes asked him the question. I just don't understand. That man's energy. I mean, I want to bottle that up and just inject it in my veins. I mean, he is a tornadic event always. And I love when somebody has that much passion for something. And, man, does he love him some drag racing. And he's had an amazing career. I mean, again, the greatest ever. There, I mean, I'm sure that those people that he named, the Snake, Perdome, all those guys are certainly in a conversation. But so is Force. Uh, unbelievable. I mean, holy he, cow. He, he just won his 155th race yep. last week. Like, it's not like he's just, like, showing up to the track and – doing some honorary starts and stuff like he's winning still i was gonna ask him who he would like to have play him in a movie if there was ever a film adaptation of his life but i don't think he goes to the movies because it sounds like he's always racing but i don't think there's any other casting call to make besides gary Busey. oh he's the got great some gary Busey. big Busey energy <laughs> I do wonder how he would. Uh, I wonder how he would respond to that. I uh, I remember interviewing him. Like I, I, I was telling him, you guys didn't hear this part, but after we finished the interview, I remember going over to, to the the drag strip over at Charlotte, and he was there. And Elon Werner, his PR guy for ever and ever and ever, Amen, set me up with force because I was writing a book back in the day that never materialized called Forever Friday, about how celebrities, artists, um, athletes in sports other than football, I had this whole idea where I was going to write this book about how high school football impacted their lives. And I went over there to interview Force, and he, uh, John had polio when he was a, a kid and ultimately uh, came out of it okay, and he – told me all about losing all those games and he wanted to play and he went to East LA Junior College and then all of a sudden you know one of the more important aspects of being a collegiate athlete showed up and that's talent he had to go get a real job but he is hilarious man I mean he is just a you just don't see that kind of unbridled energy very often I love it
and I love the fact that, you know, he talked about wanting boys, but he had girls, and then those girls have followed in his footsteps and are dominating the sport. I mean, it's it's amazing what they've done. It is. And our boy Graham Rahal loves him some Buckeyes. I mean, every time I see that guy, he does not want to talk about race cars. I'll see him Thursday uh, at the Indianapolis 500 at Media Day, and that's all he's going to want to talk about is C.J. Stroud and – that Ryan Day's whole bunch, but well, I mean, I'm working on getting us a driver the week of the Indy 500, and uh, Graham was the first request I put in for because I just want him to talk Ohio State more than anything. Yeah, he'll be all in too. I mean, he'll he'll be all in to come on this thing, talk some college foosball, buddy. Um, well, John said it well. Uh, I, I'm not even sure I need to say it this week, but like we do every week, we're so grateful for. Uh, everybody that he mentioned we're grateful for our police force working so hard to keep our community safe our first responders fire and rescue for their courage and and the united states military for their bravery and their sacrifice we do live in the greatest land and we're all grateful for it thank you guys for everything you do to keep us safe and keep us free that's going to do it for this week i'm going to go try to take a nap i got carpool coming up I'm uh, leaving tonight for another assignment that I have tomorrow. And uh, the PGA Championship is all week next week. So, uh, throttle on the mat, baby. Let it eat. Wesley, good job. Travis, good job. Appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for listening. This is the Marty Smith Podcast at Outsider. Go buy a hat. See ya. Um, Peace.